Hi everyone and welcome to church today. Hello. We are Hi. so glad that you uh, chose to join us today, whether you are in person in the sanctuary or joining us online. We're so glad that you are here today. Um, though we are not with you there in person yet, uh, it is our deepest desire that the songs that we sing would bring you joy and of course bring glory to God. If you are in person, um, we ask that the lyrics of these songs speak directly to your heart, and if you're at home, sing loud so that everyone around you knows that you're at church. Please stand with us as we worship today. Christ, when we experience anxiety, fear, stress, and grief, uh, when turmoil comes to us, we turn our hearts to God. He is our comfort, our strength, our hope, and our source of peace. We find our reassurance in the fact that God is still sovereign. He does not change. He is still the same God who rescued his people out of slavery in Egypt. He is the same God that closed the lion's mouth and blocked the fiery furnace, and he is the same God who spoke and calmed the storm. The waves and wind still know his name. If you feel like I have often felt in the last months that everything around you is unsettled and always moving and so unpredictable, let us profess together to God that it is well. Through it all, my eyes are on you. 
the rest that endures. This earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Please be seated for those of you that are, uh, that are here. Everybody is on their best behavior this morning, being uh, physically distant and, uh, for the most part, wearing their masks. I want to welcome all of you who are watching this um, online. The season that we're living in now, during the pandemic and then with further restrictions now uh, that we're facing because of some outbreaks uh, in our province, uh, it's forced us to do things in a, in a completely different way and to learn new ways of, of being the church. But we still want to do something that we talk about a lot here, and that is to help you connect, grow, and serve. And one of the ways that you can connect is um, Hebrews chapter 10 says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day of Christ drawing near. Now, we can't gather together in the same way that we were, not responsibly, but we can still gather online, and there's things that we can do to encourage each other. And one of those is something we asked of you last week. We want to hear your stories of God's faithfulness. How has God shown himself faithful to you, faithful to you even during this pandemic? Uh, if you've got a testimony, if you know someone who's got something really cool to share, maybe it's just a hearing God moment, maybe it's a, a scripture that came to mind that really encouraged you, it may not seem like a lot, but we want to gather up some of these stories and make these known to, to the people that are watching and listening. And it would really be a source of encouragement. So please don't be shy. Uh, we won't think you're bragging just because you said God showed himself faithful to you. Uh, that's actually a great thing to do. So that's one thing we ask of you. Uh, just contact our church office, and, or you can contact me personally. Second thing is uh, we want you to continue to grow. And discipleship is important to us. One of the ways that we do that is through what we call our life groups. We have a number of life groups uh, that are pretty much meeting online. Uh, sometimes they have telephone contact, that sort of thing. But if you're not in a life group, yeah, um, I really encourage you to get in one because sometimes people say, you know, I just feel really disconnected. And I go, are you in a life group? Are you in a small group? They go, no. And I say, well, that's part of the problem is that we want to help you get connected. And if we hear from you, uh, we want to help you get connected to a group. We have some current groups that are meeting that would have room for you. We could start some new groups. If you would like to start a group, I also would like to hear from you. 
So please uh, let us know. Contact the church office or me personally. And the last thing is next Sunday night is our monthly prayer summit. And um, that is on Zoom next Sunday night, November 22nd at 6 p.m. on Zoom. There's information on our website about that. And you don't have to pre-register for that. But we really would love to have you join us. It's a great time together. And now I'm going to introduce to you uh, Penny Rob. She is one of our board members. And she's going to come and read the scripture. Thanks, Penny. Brian. Uh, so this morning, I'm just going to read a few uh, excerpts from uh, chapters 21 and 22 in Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light. The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates be shut, for there will be no night. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding each fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be the city, and the servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no night. They will not need a lamp, the light of a lamp, or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Thank you. So this morning, I just want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the gift of giving. And uh, in our church, we haven't been mentioning this a whole lot lately, but we know that a lot of people have uh, lost family income, uh, people have fallen on hard times, and it's still not over. Um, and that's also affected businesses, it's affected uh, government, uh, it's affected the economy, it's affected the churches and uh, nonprofits. And uh, we have seen uh, quite a downturn uh, in our giving. We've had some bumps up. Uh, but we do ask that you remember your church. Uh, Year-end is coming uh, soon. And um, we know a lot of people uh, like to give at year-end or catch up on their giving. Um, and so if you get that to us by December 31st, I think it needs to be postmarked or at least to us by uh, December 31st, um, then that would uh, count towards the giving for 2020. Please remember your church. We've got uh, amazing things happening with our children, with our youth, with our adults uh, in the church, with our senior adults. A lot of wonderful ministries, uh, renewal uh, in the lives of people, and we can't continue that without the generosity of people like you. And so we just ask, uh, if, if you can do more um, during this time, we sure ask that you help us out at this time. Uh, and Keep that in mind as you think and pray about your church. Um, and so with that, I just want to lead us in a time of prayer. And I want you to just uh, interact with me a little bit. Some of you have uh, heard of this little 
prayer guide. It's an acronym called ACTS, A-C-T-S. And one of the things that we want to do, and we do this at our prayer summit, but just on Sunday mornings, is just say, here's some ways that you can pray. So um, it isn't just me or somebody standing up here praying, but we want to say, here's how you can pray. And maybe you can incorporate this into your life. And so I just want to lead you one step at a time through this. And if you're, you can bow your head if you want. You can leave your eyes open. But let's just move into a spirit of prayer this morning. Father, I want to thank you uh, for this service of worship and for all the churches that are gathering um, across uh, the city, this province, this country, and around the world. And Lord, uh, I pray that you would help us to be responsive to what your Holy Spirit wants to do. So as our heads are bowed in prayer this morning, um, I want us to uh, pray through this little acronym, prayer. Uh, The first thing is A is adoration. What a great way to come before God is to say, God, I want to praise you. I want to adore you. Um, And so here's how you can do this. Spend a few moments right now in silent prayer and think of God's divine attributes. Think of what it is you love about God. And would you express that to him in prayer? If you want to whisper it or shout it uh, or just say it uh, in your heart silently, that is great. Let's spend a few moments and just say, Lord, you are, and you complete the sentences. Lord, you are good. You are filled with goodness. You are the definition of goodness. You are gracious and compassionate. You are slow to anger and abounding in love. And you offer forgiveness, Lord, to people who need it. And we thank you. Now let's go to the C, which is confession. Uh, Ask the Lord to reveal anything in your life that might be unpleasing to him, something that might have made God... Uh, maybe may the Holy Spirit grieve, or maybe you've hurt someone. Maybe you've said something or done something or maybe failed to keep a promise. Uh, maybe there's something just going on in your life that you just have to say, that's sin. Would you just confess that and then ask God to forgive you and just say, God, I know that you forgive those who confess. Would you just spend a few moments and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal anything? And then ask him to give you the power to change that in your life. And say, Holy Spirit, help me. Give me grace to become the person you've designed me to be. And then the T is for thanksgiving. Just think of three, four things you could say. Lord, thank you. It could be the smallest thing that maybe you take for granted. Just spend some moments in thanksgiving. Father, I want to thank you for uh, our district superintendent, Rollsbrower Young, who will be bringing the message today. I thank you for those that are gathered here today, for those who are watching or listening online. I thank you for the technology that uh, makes this available to us. Thank you for your church. Thank you, Father, for your grace during such difficult times, grace that sustains us. And then supplication is the S, and that just means when you pray for yourself and others, Is is there anybody that God has put on your heart uh, that you want to pray for? Maybe you need to pray for yourself. Maybe it's a family member. Um, Just who do you need to pray for? Would you just lift those people up?
And Father, you brought to mind just to pray for our government, particularly our Alberta government, for Jason Kenney, for uh, our health services, um, health professionals, uh, Dina Hinshaw, and our health professionals, Lord, who are so overwhelmed. Um, and we just ask, Father, that you would sustain them, give wisdom. I pray, Lord, that people would be cooperative uh, and we would all do our diligence, Lord, and be responsible during such a time. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Well, I want to introduce our guest speaker uh, to you this morning. And Owen um, Rose, for a long, long time, she graduated from Canadian Nazarene College, which was in Winnipeg, I think, at the time. She got her Bachelor of Theology degree in 1990. She also attended the University of Manitoba studying English and religion and has also completed a master's degree in Christian leadership. Uh, she is pastored on Canada West District, which is the uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta since the 1980s, uh, has participated in leadership in a number of churches. Uh, she, along with her husband Kelly, had uh, uh, co-founded Kidstown International, an absolutely amazing uh, children's ministry. Um, her husband Kelly died suddenly at the age of 36, 37 back in 2004, which left Rose to raise her two young children on her own. But then, a few years later, she married Brad Young. She was elected as district superintendent on June the 23rd, 2018. She is passionate about the growth and health of God's church and is mobilizing our district towards church renewal. And um, it is really a pleasure to have Rose Brower Young be our pastor today and bring us a message from God's word. And for those of you that are here and those watching online, let's welcome her. morning, Calgary First. It's great to be with you today. Welcome to those who are here in person and those who are online. And I have really uh, been looking forward to spending a few moments with you. You know, pandemics are not eternal. We know who is eternal, right? And these days too shall pass. And so I am so appreciative of the way you've been creative. And I am in awe of the creativity that the church is using to step up and be the church. Because we know church is not just an hour and a half on Sunday mornings, correct? And so uh, I think the team is coming to my way. Flexibility, that's the way it goes. All right. And so I am appreciative of the way things um, have occurred throughout our district. Now, some of our churches, all of them have met in some format in person, except for one, Edmonton First. But now we're going through a second wave. And so as we know, our Manitoba sisters and brothers are also having to meet fully online. And some of them in Alberta are still, uh, have gone back to doing that again to help fulfill the desires and the pleadings of our Minister of Health, and so we do want to do all that we can to help curb the spread. Um, but as I said before, the church is not just an hour and a half on Sunday mornings, it's throughout the week. And so this uh, month in the district, we have got Compassionate Ministries Awareness Month, and we are asking for all of our churches to come together and put up a special offering for our ministries. Now, we put out a special edition of the Luke newsletter. If you have not received that, please speak with your, uh, your church office. We'd love to let you know. There's five of our recognized ministries, and they don't get tithes and offerings like our local churches do. They rely heavily on donations and volunteers, and so we want to do what we can to support them. But it's not just those five that are recognized on the district. And in the loop, we talk about 11 other things that are happening through our local churches of people being in the church to try and reach out and help meet the needs of people. And I'm just so proud of the church that we have got going these days. Um, I want to uh, invite you to take your Bibles or your Bible apps and look up that passage that we had just read a few moments ago, found in Revelation chapter 21. And we're going to continue our series here on heaven. Heaven is not what you think it is. It's much, much more. And if you're learning your way around the Bible, Revelation, now note there's no S on that word, right? Just Revelation. Revelation is the last book in the entire Bible. 
I do remember Pastor Brian speaking about heaven several years ago. As he mentioned, my husband Kelly had passed away on August 3, 2004. And as we journeyed through our grief as a family, our two children, Rayleigh and Brock, who were 8 and 10 at the time, were asking all kinds of questions about heaven. I'm just going to keep on going. Just keep going. You see, heaven had become very real to us. Now, we knew about heaven. We'd heard about it. Grandpas and grandmas had passed away. But all of a sudden, it had become very real to us. Where was Daddy? What is he doing now? What does he look like? Can he still unicycle in heaven? And perhaps another grander question, why did God allow Daddy to die? And so one day, about six months after Kelly's passing, we invited Pastor Brian Roller over to our house for dessert and coffee to help answer those questions. Do you remember that, Brian? And while he could not give us all the answers the kids may have been looking for, he did help give us hope for the future and strengthen our faith in God. And I will always be grateful to Pastor Brian for his support during those days. And so it's with that same certain faith that I'm excited to share with you our passage for today. Have you found Revelation chapter 21 yet? All right. Now we had that read for us, so I'm going to just continue on a little bit. But isn't Revelation a complex book to understand? That's an understatement, isn't it? As I was preparing for this message, I was reading a commentary, and I went to bed after reading chapter 10 and into chapter 11. You know the part where the two witnesses give testimony, and then the beast comes up from the abyss and attacks them, and overpowers and kills them, and then their bodies lie in the great public square of the city, right? Now try going to bed peacefully after reading that for a bedtime story, right? A literal understanding of this stuff would make for a great movie. But we need to understand, Revelation is not talking about events in a linear kind of thinking, such as this will happen and then this. It's not like the seals come first and then the trumpets, then chapters 12 through 14, and then the bulls of wrath, that kind of thing. Paul Spilsbury describes this vision of John's in the book of Revelation as more like a wheel. The throne of God is the center. And all these visions are spokes from the wheel. Now, N.T. Wright describes this vision. I really liked this illustration as more like music, where different lines are being played all at once. So think of a choir with all four voices going at the same time. They're following one line, but they're all happening together. Now, add an orchestra onto that with the strings and the percussion and the, and, um, um, the, the flutes. Right, This book of Revelation, why was it written? Well, it was written to give courage to the hearts of Christians who are facing trouble. They are to bear witness to God's kingdom through their own suffering. And the word revelation means unveiling. So revelation is a book that unveils and reveals this unseen spiritual battle against Satan with which the church is engaged. Now, N.T. Wright goes further, and he reminds us that this book of Revelation, this unveiling, is all about the kingdom of God. And for far too many Christians, we've understood the kingdom as simply in terms of God's kingdom in heaven, right? They believe that God is in charge in this place called heaven, up there, as opposed to this messy place called earth, from which God, we think God wants to rescue us from this messy place, and that the main aim of life is for us to escape this messiness and then to enter the kingdom of heaven in the sense of going to heaven when you die. But God's kingdom is not simply designed for heaven because God is the creator not just of heaven, but of the whole world, the whole cosmos. His entire purpose is to reclaim this whole world as his own and set it on the way to become the place he always intended it to be before heaven or human rebellion took it sideways. Right? So Michael Gorman, in his book, 
It's a good book, by the way, Reading Revelation Responsibly. It's a good title, isn't it? He's, he's one of many scholars who help us understand this beautiful gift, the Word of God, which I left over there, or the Bible. Genesis, the very first book, and Revelation, the last book, are the Bible's two bookends, aren't they? The Bible's own Alpha and Omega. Alpha means the beginning. Omega means the end. And so the grand story that began with creation is now ending in new creation, as promised by the prophets all along the way. That original garden that became a source of curse and death because of human rebellion is now an urban garden in Revelation where human civilization comes to fulfillment and nations are finally living in peace, where blessing and life replace the original curse and death. Are you looking forward to this? Right? I think we need an amen right now. Amen means may it be so. So are you looking forward to this? Yeah. In the book of Revelation, John is doing his level best to describe for us what he is seeing. And at every point, John is saying, okay, it's like this, but much, much more so. So this is what I, I'm trying to describe to you, but take that and it's much, much more so. The new heaven and the new earth will be new in a new way. Newness itself will be renewed. Now that word new, it's not like um, a brand new car that's all shiny and it smells clean and fresh and crisp. And it's not like a new house that is devoid of dust and wall scrapes or scratches on the floor. This new is a new like something that completely changes you. Now I think of the time when I first became a mom. Our daughter Rayleigh was born in Olds, June 14, 1994. And I got to stay in the hospital ladies for three days not three hours. The first day the nurse went and took Rayleigh for a bath and I watched her. But then the second day we went to give Rayleigh a bath and the nurse said, okay Rose, now it's your turn. And I said, what? By myself? Okay, please you do it one more time. I promise I will pay attention this time, right? I had to learn how to bath a baby. I'm telling you, university degrees do not prepare one for being a parent. And I was so nervous about taking that precious little bundle home. I had no clue what I was doing. Everything was new. My life changed forever when I became a parent. I will never be what I once was. I had been changed. And in that small, crude illustration, it gives us an idea of what it means to be new, to be renewed, to be forever changed on a cosmic spiritual scale. Transformation. It's like that and much, much more. Revelation 21 verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. It says all things. There's a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, a new temple, new people, because people who have woken up found themselves beyond the reach of death and tears and pain. Those first things have passed away. They are gone. Now, I don't think God is planning a complete do-over come Revelation 21. Um, uh, let's get rid of this whole world. We're going to try again. You know, this is Earth 2.0. I think what we see in this chapter is a complete transformation of heaven and earth. When God abolishes everything that has to do with the horrible and tragic events of human sin. As Christians, I think sometimes we read Revelation, especially these verses... And we think that this heaven is where we shall perhaps go to one day. That this earth is now simply a second, low-rate, contemporary dwelling. 
And one day we will be happy to leave it for good. But I want us to take a look at this passage. Because it says when all that is done, there's a new heaven and a new earth. There's not two separate destinations. They are joined together completely forever. That boundary between heaven and earth will be removed. Now there is an idea. Sometimes that boundary between heaven and earth gets a little bit thin. It's called the thin places. But when there's a new heaven and a new earth, it's removed. Heaven and earth will be the same. Now the sea, which is often mentioned in Revelation, as you remember, is really a symbolism for the dark force of chaos and human rebellion and danger. And it's out of the sea, when you read Revelation, where all the enemies of God come from, right? It's the sea where the wicked rulers and the nations rule the earth and seek their own domination. But in the new creation, there is no more sea, no more chaos, no place from where monsters might again emerge. All the consequences from our human sin and God-hating are erased. They are gone forever. So what will that look like? Take a look again at verse 3. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now that word dwell in verse 3 is critical for us. Do you remember in the Old Testament, God dwelt among his people in the tabernacle, remember? He led them by the cloud, pillar of cloud by day, by the pillar of fire by night. He traveled with them through the desert and into the promised land. And in the New Testament, in John's gospel, he says that Jesus, the word, became flesh and lived or dwelt or tabernacled in our midst. And now God is doing that, as N.T. Wright says, on a cosmic scale. He is coming to live here to dwell forevermore. And so this closing scene in chapter 21, it's not a vision of humans going up to heaven. As we've seen in movies, we've perhaps sung about it in some hymns, or we've even heard it preached that way. This closing scene is the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth. That boundary will not exist anymore. Now, Eugene Peterson often complains that we talk about simply the new heaven. But Revelation 21 is talking about the marriage of heaven and earth. It's the final answer to the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come. And I think this new world will be like the one we have today in the sense of our world's beauty. Isn't there some beauty in our world? The grandeur that we have here, the delight, the glory, the color, the diversity, but... It will be a world without death and tears and everything that causes them. Verse 4 tells us that God is not only making the world new, like that newness, that transformation, but he is also going to take away all the lingering effects of sin in our hearts and lives. Those tears of regret that have been shed, tears of guilt, Tears of broken promises. Tears of loss. Tears over what was taken from us. Tears of loneliness. Tears of sorrow. My friends, how many tears have you shed because of sin? Your sin? Someone else's sin? The consequences of human rebellion? We all have our own stories of how our sin and other people's sin have harmed us. This morning I'm telling you, one day, Jesus is going to make it right. Those hands that were pierced for you and me so that all our guilt is gone will wipe away those tears. 
Verse 5 says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Daryl Johnson, in his book, Discipleship on the Edge, highlighted a crucial point in verse 5 here. God who is on the throne says, listen carefully, I am making all things new. Right now. In the present. Listen, the future is somehow a present reality. You see, it's not just in our limited dimension of reality, because God is outside our understanding of time and space. God right now, he says, I am making all things new. The kingdom of God is here. It is coming. Now notice what God does not say. I am making all new things. Right? What does it say? I am making all things new. God is taking all things, creation, humans, cities, and making them new, transforming them. They will never be the same again. And even today, God is about transformation, isn't he? Who here has a light that is being transformed and continues as we go from day to day? So what is in this new kingdom and of new heaven and new earth? Daryl Johnson gives us a few things to anticipate. Number one, in this new place where there's no boundaries between heaven and earth, God is fully present. Nothing will exist apart from God. You and I, we will be fully welcomed in the triune God. We will be drawn into that circle of holy love that has forever existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There will no longer be any sin to separate us. Now that's already a present reality for the church. But there's a future fullness yet to be experienced like that. We have his Holy Spirit in his presence now, don't we? But this is only a foretaste of future glory. Oh, there is much, much more. 1 John 3 verse 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. We will know what it means to be unbroken, unhindered, and have unending fellowship with our maker and savior. I cannot even imagine what that's going to be like. So God is fully present. That's going to be part of this new heaven and new earth. Secondly, there is going to be glory everywhere. Whatever it is that makes God be God, it will be everywhere. So think of the symbolism of the jewels and the, the diamonds, the shimmering, the shining, the streets of gold. That's glory. God's glory will be everywhere. Thirdly, there will be a, a creatureliness about this new heaven and new earth. Tangible things, things that you can see and touch and taste and smell. There will be trees, a river, stones, walls, and streets. Fourthly, this passage tells us there will be peoples. That's where the S goes. Peoples, not people. The full range of God's ethnic diversity. No one ethnic group alone can manifest the full image of God. We will all be there. Now later in chapter 21, we hear about kings. You see, kings signal culture. The culture of this new place will be transformed. How does one define culture? Well, culture is the way we do things around here. So first church, you have your own culture, the way you do things. Families have culture, don't they? Countries have culture. And right now, our world has a culture. I would say the culture of the beast. The way we do things. Strong over the weak. Power and privilege over equality. Rich over poor. Getting ahead at the expense of someone else. Culture. But when heaven and earth are joined, 
when Christ comes to earth, the culture of the beast will be replaced by the culture of the lamb. A culture of death will have been replaced by a culture of life. A culture of fear will be replaced by a culture of peace and of trust. And there will be creativity, unceasing creativity, musicians, artists, science that is used to learn and to grow. What about space travel? What if God says, do you want to go see what Saturn's rings look like? All right, here we go. That could be a possibility. We will not stop being human. In fact, I think we will learn what it is finally like to truly be human without sin. This broken world, you see, this is all we know. We think that this is normal. But I promise you, this is not who we are meant to be. And I can hardly wait for chapter 21 to happen. Another part of what will happen in the new heaven and earth is there is life. And not a bio kind of like a biology, but a zoe. And that's a Greek word, which means the absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical, which belongs to God. I don't know about you, but some days I feel like life I'm surviving. That's not a zoe life. That's biological, where the clock is ticking, right? Some people's clocks are ticking further along than others. But in a zoe kind of life, it is a fullness. And then lastly, that I wanted to share with you about what's in the new heaven and earth is the face of God. And this one just gives me goosebumps when I think of it. Later in Revelation, we will find that we are able to see God's face. Why? Because we have been changed and glorified. I want to take you back quickly to Exodus. You read that story of Moses on the mountain. Remember, he's about to receive the Ten Commandments. And remember, he wasn't able to see the face of God. They said he wouldn't be able to handle it. He would die. And so God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. He was in the calm. And at that time, Moses could not look on his face, but he knew that God had passed by, just passed by. And even then, just by that brief passing by, Moses was so changed that when he came down from the mountain, the people couldn't look at him. Remember, he was so bright and shining and transfigured. My friends, this curse of sin will be removed from us in this new heaven and earth. We will be able to look at God's face. In verse 6 it says, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. You see, the conclusion of heaven is not about going up to heaven when we die or by way of some rapture. Truly, the hope of salvation is God coming to us. In Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 10, it says this, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And so I ask you this morning, do you have that longing in your spirit for your true home? Do you recognize that this world is not all there is? You know, this earth is kind of like our womb, to quote Pastor Brian. We are created for much, much more. There's a greater birth still to come. This life is not as good as it gets. Your next life will be your best life. You know, C.S. Lewis once said, there are far, far greater things ahead of us than any we have left behind. We need to live with that in our minds. 
I love Pastor Brian's illustration in his first sermon about the anticipation of what is to come. And he talked about how at a wedding, the parents especially, the relatives, the friends, are all standing almost on tiptoe, anticipating, watching as the bride comes down the aisle and, and as this couple come together to celebrate uh, this new marriage, this new coming together. This wonderful sight of the sons of God coming into their own as we sit with anticipation of what is to come. Our world today, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Something new is coming, and we're anticipating what is to come. And so in closing, what should we do as we anticipate this new heaven and new earth where there's no longer a boundary between us and God? Michael Gorman says, a true understanding of this heaven coming to earth is a certain hope for believers, and it should inspire us to do four things. And here they are in closing. First thing, it should inspire us to worship. Giving honor and praise to God and the Lamb for the present and future salvation offered to us and to all the world. We can begin that worship today by looking at Psalm 8. The second thing we need to do is inspire us to mission. This new hope should inspire us to mission, embodying the values and practices of this reality even now. Remaining faithful and true to God, if necessary, to the point of death. So what are these values and practices? Because that's pretty ambiguous. Well, it's seeking understanding. Justice. Reconciliation. Living out our strengths. Seeing the image of God in one another. Giving God the glory and not ourselves. Worshiping God and not things or people. So this true understanding of heaven should also inspire us to prophecy. Where we're naming and speaking against values and practices that are odds with those of God's coming new creation. Whether they occur among God's people which happens sometimes, or in the wider part of our world. And lastly, this certain hope should inspire us to hope. Recognizing that this new creation cannot be achieved by our human effort or even by our prayers, because it's foreshadowed only by grace. It will come in fullness in God's good time. And after God's final defeat, of the powers that have come against him and of all humanity. And so it's for this reason that the worshiping, missional, prophetic, hopeful church should be praying, Come, Lord Jesus. Do you get a sense that this new heaven and new earth is about far more than simply yourself? We are the church. And we are to bear witness to God's present reality and reign, as well as his future renewal and final rule, when there will finally be truth and peace and justice for all. So you and I, we are to bear witness in both our words and our deeds. And even today, we should be practicing the ways of peace, of justice, of reconciliation, of evangelism, of creation care. Let me ask you, friends, how are you bearing witness today to God's present reality and reign? Is your life being lived in such a way that people are saying, I want more of that. I need that in my life. Right? We are the church. We bear the image of God. And I pray that our hope, our faith, our attitudes are so contagious as God's kingdom breaks forth even here. So if you are a believer, God is calling you today to believe the promise of his word. The ultimate victory about which he has spoken will happen. That's why John could write, these words are trustworthy and true. And nobody knew this better than Samuel Stone, who wrote the words to the hymn, The Church's Wound Foundation, is Jesus Christ her Lord. The fourth verse says it best. Mid toil and tribulation and tumult of her war, 
She waits the consummation of peace forevermore. Till with the vision glorious, her longing eyes are blessed. And the great church victorious shall be the church at rest. May that be our inspiration both now and in the weeks to come. Amen. As we conclude our time together, I want to invite you just to remain for a couple moments after. And I invite you to join me in celebration of a milestone that has occurred in the life of our church this week. And Pastor Brian, as you know, turned 70 years old. So I don't know if that's three score and ten, four score and ten. I kind of, three score and ten. So we're going to be watching a short slideshow. And then for those of you who have gathered here in person this morning, you're welcome to pick up a birthday goodie bag in the foyer when we leave. <laughs> so let me share a benediction with us. Would you receive this? And then we'll take part in a celebration. Would you stand with me? May you go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. May you hold fast to that which is good and render to no one evil for evil. May you strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, honor everyone. May you love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit and the blessing of God Almighty. And may the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Go in peace. Amen. You may be seated.